welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Complete Center's Guide. I am your host, Tyler Fowler, and man, oh man, do we have a show for y'all. I have five people with us tonight. Noah, I got I to gotta start with you, brother. How's your week been, man? It's been great, Tyler. Thanks so much for having me back. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, dude, I, got, I just got to tell people, like, you... If it wasn't for you, bro, honestly, and I mean this with everything, if it wasn't for you, there would be no Complete Center's Guide. So thank you, brother, for everything that you do behind the scenes. For you guys that don't know, Noah is my tech guy. He's my troubleshoot guy with anything with anything computer techy, and he is super, super busy. Um, but he, he, every week now, you know, we're, we're, we're getting back on the track of doing shows every week, and I think we've got something good. Uh, going here um, for us. It took us a little while to get here, but it, it's coming together. And Noah, man, like I said, if it wasn't for you, um, if it wasn't for you, bro, it wouldn't. You know what I mean? So thank you, dude. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I appreciate you having me. I'm excited, Tyler, for tonight. It's going to be an yeah. exciting conversation for those that have not tuned into the program before, haven't caught it before. Um, you have Bible roundtables. And when I say you have Bible roundtables, I don't necessarily mean that you schedule Bible roundtables. I mean that you are just in contact with people that have a deep desire to know Christ better and to stutter Christ better and to talk about Christ and the way that he lived and the example that he gave to try to understand how we can live our collective lives better. And you've invited all of these friends onto the program tonight, so I'll let you make the introductions. Yeah, absolutely. And some of these guys have been on the show before, the other two haven't, And it, but I, every every conversation, every little thing that I see posted— the I picked these five guys right here, in, in, including Noah, because I love, uh, first of all, I love them. Second of all, they're my brothers in Christ. And third of all, they show it. And we're all human. We all make mistakes. But these guys literally shine in darkness, okay? From, from, from the research that they do to, to, to the jokes that they post, to the memes, to, to the seriousness and to, you know, the funny and the humorous, all of these guys, in my opinion, are extremely well-balanced. Like I said, two of them's been on the show before, two of them hasn't, and the third one um, I couldn't get, uh, David Paulman. We was going to try uh, to get David on, but it just, our schedules were conflicting, apparently, and uh, we, were, we actually really need to talk. So I'm hoping to get David back on um, extremely soon. Uh, we've got some conversations to finish up. Um, but with us tonight, I'm going to bring him on one at a time. Uh, he has been on with me a couple times, actually. Um, the last thing he did was a big debate against David. Um, so Michael Chandler Keaton. Brother, how's your week been? I mean, you know what's going on with the election. We're going to talk about this stuff tonight. We're going to talk about elections. We're going to talk about the gospel. We're going to talk about everything in between, okay? But how's your week been, bro? Um, for those who might be catching the show for the first time, and if you are a first-time listener, please make sure you go to www.completecenters.com or shoot me an email. This is me personally, an email at com, um, <coughs> at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to be a guest on the show, that's the way to contact me. If you got a topic you want to discuss or you want us to discuss, that's the way to get a hold of me personally um, to make that happen and to get that ball rolling. But, Michael, brother, like I said, tell people about yourself, and how's your week been, bro? Definitely, brother. Thank you. Uh, you know me, uh, just the chief of all centers. 
saved by a grace and mercy that I never deserved. I'll debate you on that. <laughs> just with a burning desire to, to just yeah. to praise this God who showed me a mercy I never deserved and to, and to tell others about it and just to spread his gospel. Uh, as far as this week goes, there's been a lot of conversations with friends and family, brothers in Christ. Uh, we're living in a really unique time in American history, and uh, so, yeah, it's been pretty wild on that on that level. Right, right. So, like, how... What just real quick? I mean, like I said, we're going to get into it tonight. But give us a little summary about what. How, how do you feel? How have you personally been impacted by the way things are playing out with, like the legal issues going on with the voting and all of that kind of stuff? How has that personally affected you? I guess I don't know that it's. We'll we'll all know soon enough how it's personally affected us. But uh, as far as just personal beliefs. How it's affected me is that I've spent uh, one of my degrees is in history, obviously, and I've studied the history of of when leftist revolutions sort of take place. And I'm not implying that's what hap- what's happened here, right. but I know the history of leftism. And when you have leftist uh, political movements that are trying to take over, generally one of the first things that goes is the gospel, and that's that's terrifying for me. That that's pretty frightening for me. If uh, I don't, and I think Biden's just a classic old Washington Democrat, uh, but. I do believe that underlying him, supporting him, and, and as a part of his team are, are a lot of really radical leftists. And, and that frightens me because radical leftists really despise the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah, so I think... Yeah. That, that's frightening. Yeah, absolutely. And we see... I'll just put it like this. We have multiple examples in the Bible. And that just look at history. Whenever you parade your sin, like we do here... God, it's just a matter of time before God pours his wrath out. And, and, and we all have to be honest here because we know, we know what the Bible says. And, and we're going to talk about hope as well here a little bit later. That hope that all of us, all of us have in common. We all have different backgrounds. We all come from different, even different branches within Christianity, different denominations, right? But I wanted to get a mix of people. Um, on the show to that that do disagree with thing uh, with 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 different subjects and different topics like that, but I wanted to bring us all together, unite under Christ, and first and foremost, let you all know that we are going through this right with you. Everything that's happening in this world because it is bad, like Michael said, just the thought of of the radical left taking over. Um, Eventually, I think that will happen. We will see something like that because the Bible says lawlessness will increase. And again, whenever lawlessness increases, God pours his wrath out upon that nation or upon that person. God's very merciful in all of this. But there is a time coming and might already be here where time's up because God's patience will not last forever. But to to we're, to get into it, Michael, I can, we, we could talk all day, brother. Um We've got three other people though, so let me let me go ahead and bring on Josh Davidson. You, buddy, you've been on the show before. Um, we've actually debated, uh, had a debate for you guys that haven't haven't caught that. Josh and I debated uh, the subject of free will and determinism. I've actually changed my view a little bit on that since that debate. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk about that again, um, me and you on this show, buddy. What do you, what do you say? You like that? Josh Davidson, you hear about him? Did he? Uh, did we lose Josh yeah. Noah? Hello, can you hear me? 
Yeah, yeah. No, there I am. Okay, sorry. I was going to say that's just that's just your the the fact that we can change our mind is proof that these conversations work, man. Yep, exactly. And and you know it's we we could talk about that all night too. So let let's just let, so let's save that. And how let me let me just ask you the same question I asked Mike. Has this has this election has what's going on with the legal battles with with all the accusations with all of everything that's happening right now currently because you're from California, Mike. You're from Tennessee. I'm from Indiana. Um, how is that? How, what's happening in your neck of the woods, Josh? Um, well, in California, uh, especially recently over the last weekend or so, um, there's been a kind of turning tides where. Um, you know, the, the, the underlying threat of unrest within inner cities and things like that has kind of settled itself a bit. And even in San Francisco, uh, people were playing music and honking their horns and laughing and kind of, you know, perusing the streets. It's basically just happy and overjoyed that Trump's finally being removed, um, allegedly. And, and mm -hmm. so in, 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 in this part, at least where I am, because I'm in the Bay Area, um, and so the San Francisco Bay Area is probably like, you know, next to Vegas and New York, probably like the closest to Sodom and Gomorrah we can find. I think it's a pretty good example of, uh, of what it would be like if the gospel kind of got really um, not legally, but socially suppressed. Um, right. Not a lot of people here know the gospel at all. People here think Jesus Christ is a cuss word. Um, and so that's kind of the state of things. And so politically, there's not much change when uh, e even even when Republican presidents come here, because there's such a left leaning dynamic here in the state overall um, that there's there's really not much change. But it seems like the underlying uh, unrest has kind of shifted itself a bit. Sure. Um, so in, in my neck of the woods, it's actually kind of eased some of the tension, ironically. So let me ask you, because you said something that kind of perked my ears a little bit. You said that you that people are happy that that I see even people are you know overjoyed that allegedly because you're right. None of the states have certified Biden's right, and I say quote that specifically. Win. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. But so let me ask you this though: Are do you think have you talked to anybody that that voted for Biden? Did they vote for Biden because they hated Trump, or did they vote for Biden because Biden has good policies? You see, you see what I'm saying? Um, I honestly don't know that anybody mm -hmm. actually voted for Biden because of a policy reason. Mm -hmm. I think primarily they voted for Biden because uh, propaganda works and because um, if they're people left who are 120 are voting. Well, if, yeah. if, if they're if they're a Democrat, they're likely going, yeah. going to vote Democrat. It's kind of like a personality type thing, too. But, you know, the the sway was heavy also because uh, uh, of the way the media propagated things. Um, but I think that that, you know, the, the the reason that I've heard people say they voted for Biden was kind of twofold. Um, mm -hmm. First, uh, it can kind of fundamentally be summarized as orange man bad. And right. then. Um, you know, that the attitude carries over into the moral uh, uh, grandstanding of saying, uh, you know, uh, these marginalized groups and they use words like equity and, um, you know, uh, things like that. It, it becomes kind of a sticky conversation because nobody's for poverty, you know, but it's kind of this mind that it's like, well, the rich just want the poor to stay poor. And it's like, no, we want wage mobility to be a thing. 
We right. don't want stagnation. People shouldn't be equal. It's not a good place to be. If we're all equal, we're all in, in a bad place because you don't want the people that are on top to be equal with the people that are on the bottom. Right. Well, there's not a happy medium. There's, 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 you know, there's always going to be the unequal distribution of, of capital because there's always going to be different skill sets, different work abilities, different personality types and everything else. We can't pretend like everyone's the same person. It's nonsense. Right. Right. No, I agree. A hundred percent. A hundred percent, brother. Um, I've got two more people to introduce real quick. Um, if you're just tuning in, <laughs> thank you for, thank you for listening. Um, we've got five people on, um, to have a little round table tonight to discuss our current events, what's going on in the world. How, how is it affecting people? How does it affect you personally? Um, with that being said, Joshua Sherman is a new face, actually, on the Complete Center's Guide. So, uh, Josh, if you would um, kind of go a little bit more in depth uh, about yourself, like your background, um, how long you've been a Christian for, just stuff like that. And, um, yeah, what? How, how, let me ask you those two real quick. Basically, same question that I've asked Josh and Mike. How How is this personally, this election, everything that's going on, affected you uh, personally oh goodness um so introducing <laughs> myself um i uh, grew up on the west coast um and uh, became a christian uh, as a young child i was i was raised in a christian home um lived uh in california first 10 years of my life and then oregon until i graduated high school and then i went to school in seattle and stayed there for 15 years so mm -hmm. the, really most of the formative part of my life i've always kind of been the most conservative one amongst my friends uh, amongst you know people that I know, uh, outside of maybe some of the, the Christian circles that I ran in, um, going to a Christian university at Seattle Pacific. I got a, a degree in Christian theology and philosophy. Um, and uh, then when I got married, uh, my wife actually uh, grew up in Western Colorado, so we moved out here. Nice. If you know anything about Western Colorado, it is nothing like Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> your, your color palette shifts from greens to browns. Um, your, um, the altitude's a bit higher, it's much, much drier. Um, and uh, it's mm -hmm. very, very conservative. Um, so now I'm in this interesting spot where I'm kind of the crazy liberal person here. <laughs> right. Um, coming from a place where I was the crazy conservative person, and that, that's kind of an interesting uh, mental thing to, to deal with. Um, sure. So, yeah, it, it's, it's been really um, – it's been interesting really engaging with this election because I feel like, um, you know, hardly anybody is, is disengaged. Everybody's pretty – um, motivated, pretty um, invested in one side winning or the other. Um, mm -hmm. And that can, you know, make it hard to have any kind of a, a discourse online with people, especially, um, sure. and, and in person too, that, that has any kind of um, decorum or, or sense of, you know, being, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ even sometimes, depending on mm -hmm. the group. Um, and, and it's been challenging, I think, to see that. Um, myself, I think I, I just kind of dove in on election night and said, well, you know, um, what I really want to know is what I think is likely to happen. <laughs> right. Um, so I'm going to forget all the, you know, all the different things that are kind of going on in the background and the different narratives that people are bringing up. And I'm just going to kind of look at the data, look at what's what's here and, and try to see if I can I can kind of figure out um, essentially which um, what I need to prepare myself for in, in mm -hmm. terms of the things that I'm going to be probably most likely happy with and not happy with with 
either of the two major candidates. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's been, a, been an interesting journey for sure. So just out of curiosity, what did you find in your study of that? Because I do believe that that is the way to go about it. I myself did the same thing. I've been trying to post updates on Facebook uh, for everybody that follows me on Facebook just to kind of give, you know, because there is a narrative being played out. There's two, actually. And there, <laughs> each one is it, it kind of reminds me of kindergarten, if I'm being completely honest. You know what I mean? I did it. No. Or, or she did it. No, 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 I didn't do it. You don't have any evidence, blah, 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 blah. No. Okay. So so what did you find in your in your discovery um, or in your uh, your hunt oh, for uh, for the truth? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can only say as far as I've gone. So I haven't done a deep sure. dive on any of the, the lawsuit things that are going on. Um, so, sure. you know, I can't really speak too much to that. Um, really, what I focused on mostly was just trying to see where, where different states were likely to go, what was happening in the House mm-hmm. and the Senate, um, and then, you know, uh, what, what's likely with recounts. Uh, and if we're talking purely recounts uh, and, and we're not finding – if we don't find anything major, um, you know, I think this election's pretty much over. Uh, because, I mean, you look back yeah. at 2000, there was about 1,700 votes that Bush led by, and each of the races that we're talking about are at least a factor of five uh, larger than that in terms right. of a lead for Biden. So um, that's it's right. going to be pretty hard to overcome that uh, without some kind of, mm-hmm. you know, a major revelation of, of fraud and evidence to back it up. And then uh, and that would get really interesting really fast. <laughs> right. No, I think it's I, I think Georgia is going to be maybe I, I'm, I'm, this one. I'm hoping that's going to happen. Georgia flips red. A domino effect happens. Right. But whether or not Georgia flips, which I think it needs to for Trump, um, just kind of hearing the things that are happening in Arizona and Nevada uh, right now. Um, and also, for those who don't know, uh, Jay Sekulow is actually on the uh, uh, the attorney team. <clears throat> Trump's attorneys are one of them anyway, uh, out of the probably the hundreds that he has on this. But he That's does a good. podcast, mm-hmm. a daily podcast. Right, right. Um, but he does a daily podcast, um, giving updates. So for anyone who wants to know that, that would be Jay Seculo Live. Um, you can find him on YouTube, uh, Facebook, and Periscope, I do believe. Um, all right, man, last but not least, Ty Brillhart. Um, brother, tell like basically same thing. You know what I mean? How this how's this election affected you? But with you, bro, I, I just want to ask real quick, and I want to get Josh uh, Sherman's uh, background on this too, um, kind of lead off if you would. Um, what is your current church background, and and how, like, what is your walk with Christ look like? Like, where did you start out, um, and, and how has that that how has that roller coaster ride of a relationship with God? Um, what's your experience been like with that? Yeah, so. Um... I'm Ty Brohard. I'm here in Western Washington, so I'm a, another West Coast guy. So it was kind of nice to hear somebody else uh, came from the West Coast as well. Um, I attend a Reformed Presbyterian ba- uh, uh, Bible Church. Um, I was raised in a Christian home. I uh, just grew up with the faith, but I didn't get saved until I was in my 20s. Um, I enjoyed... Um, some of the worldliness a little bit too much to be too interested before that. Um, sure. But when, when it comes to, you know, the election and, and all that, you know, I, I live in a blue state. I live here where our governor has just recently, um, as of yesterday, said don't go anywhere for Thanksgiving. 
Um, but the I, I got to admit that the, the presidential election has kind of gotten me down a little bit just because not because I'm worried about anything, not because, you know, I'm not secure that Christ is still on his throne, that that whoever does take the, the, the position of presidency in the United States is is not ordained by God to do so. But I'm, my concern is I just see people I love so much who are on different sides of, of, of the aisle just just killing each other over this and it just breaks my heart right you're and now you're talking about within the within our our christian brothers and sisters yes yes yeah 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 it 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 is and we and to be honest bro christians they're they're split three ways to sunday you know what i Mm -hmm. mean they Mm -hmm. there's so many things that separate and and it's sad we're supposed to be the United Church of Christ, right? Literally, um, not not to get confused with the Church of Christ people, but but <laughs> I'm just in, in all seriousness. We can joke, we can laugh, but in all seriousness, like we are supposed to be the United Church of God, and yeah. I am not kidding. You can separate the Christian Church by denomination, by by faction, even if you want to, by political party association. I'm I'm not kidding. Three ways to Sunday, uh, Noah. We've talked about that before. We've also talked about cr- toxic Christianity and how you know we focus. We we have to focus on love. We need to focus on love. I want to I, I want to kind of transition to a verse real quick. Um, Matthew twenty five is is jumping out to me. These are Jesus's words, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're just joining us. Um, to, we 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 got a blast. This is going to be a fun ride. But but Matthew twenty five. I just want to remind everyone listening. We're, we are here to talk about politics tonight. We're here to talk about current events that are happening in America that are affecting all of us. We all do come from different backgrounds. We all have different denominations that we do uh, attend. But we the thing that unites us, the thing, is the blood of Christ that unites us as brothers in Christ. Why? Because we're united to Jesus. And I want you guys to hear what Jesus says very, very specifically in Matthew 25, 31. It's, it begins this way. He says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will set on his glorious throne. All the nations will be assembled before him, and he will separate people one from another, like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, I tell you the truth. Just as you did it for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did it for me. We'll say to those on the left, me, you accursed, into the eternal fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to drink. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing, or I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. 
I was a stranger, and you did not receive me as a guest, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they too will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not give you whatever you needed? Then he will answer them, I tell you the truth, just as you did not do it for the one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And these will depart into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. That's scary. <clears throat> that. Amen. That's scary. And, and yes, amen. But listen, how we treat others. This was the key message of Jesus Christ. Love God and love your people. Or, and love your neighbors. Love every single person around you. Why? Because they too are made in the image of God. And just as you did it to one of the least of these, you're doing it to Christ, God Himself. Josh, you 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 you, you Amen, brother. What 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 do you think about that? That's one of my favorite verses, man, or passages, anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I did say a verse of the day. I kind of I kind of <laughs> went for like twenty there, but 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 no, no, it's all good, man. It, it's, it's key. It's, it's good. It's really good. And it's right. something, I mean, honestly, I've, I've spent a lot of time doing things like that. And I can tell you that it's, yeah. it's, it's, it almost feels selfish because I keep wanting to do it more because it blesses me more than the people. Right. Right. And, and see, that's <laughs> what I want to say. It, it's scary because just hear that last part, you know, depart from me, curse it, right? Matthew 7, depart from me for I never knew you. How horrible would it be? to think that we're going to heaven, right? This, this is why this is so important. This is why this is why I wanted to to discuss this because when we look out and, and and see the world, we look out at what's going on. We like like we've heard earlier, Christians are separating because of who is and who's not president. F the the funny thing about that is no one is certified as the president yet. And we're already split even more than we were. So mm -hmm. We we have to love that I think and, and and you guys take this wherever you want to, but I think the key because like I said it was said earlier we we are like Sodom and Gomorrah you somebody lives next right next to Sodom and Gomorrah basically you know Las Vegas New York, but yet these people they don't deserve love you know what I mean but neither do we. And so we shine light in dark times, in horrible places, by loving each other. Right? Yes. And we need to be, like you said, they're, they're ugly places, right? They're, they're, there, are, there are terrible places, but you can be a beautiful thing in a terrible place. Right. Um, that's, that's, I think that's ultimately the mission statement of somebody who's trying to live out what it is that you read in that passage is to be uh, a beautiful thing in a hideous place. Right. Right. And see, that's, that's where our hope is too, because our, our hope is in the beautiful. I mean, when you're, if you would look at the cross, if you would see the cross whenever Jesus was hanging on it, right? He's risen from the grave now, but if you would see the cross whenever Jesus was hanging on it, that was the worst and best thing the the probably it would the sight would make one sick 
just by looking at a at a human up there, the God man up there, you know, beaten, stripped, bloody, bruised, torn, literally. And yet at the same time, it's the most beautiful thing. Yet, I, I said it right before I read this, or right after I read it, this is scary. Yet, for those whose faith is in Christ, not in Trump, not in the 2020 presidential election uh, results, not in Biden, not in your government, not in the recounts, your hope is in Christ, we have, we don't have to worry. We don't have to be afraid. Why? Because God will tell us, enter into the kingdom of God at the end of the day. So anyway, I, I just, like I said, I just wanted to give our listeners a, a little bit of hope because in the times, in these times that we're getting ready to talk about, that we're getting ready to discuss, we, in a world where literal, literal sin, literal stealing, and, and there's evidence of this, you know, I'm not, we're, we're not just going, there is evidence out now, and if you haven't seen it, you need to look or ask, and I'll show it to you, but there is evidence of corruption in our world, it, right? Not even hidden under the cover of darkness. It's in the broad daylight. And so I think, you know, I just think that we need to realize that even though all of these things are happening, all these things are, are taking place, all these horrible things, we have faith in a God who's in control of that and who's in control and promised, promised eternal life to all that trust in him. So, with that being said, Noah, why don't you kind of st- transition us into um, <clears throat> what's kind of taken place? You, your radio, you, you know, you have multiple different radio shows. You are into politics. You know politics, right? So, will you give us and the listeners just kind of like a little summary of what happened on election night and where are we at today right now? I, I guess, Tyler, to sum it up in one sentence, um, yeah, people have forgotten. <laughs> people, Christians have forgotten what kingdom they belong to. That's what's yeah. happened. And so, Amen. what you know, and so we're, what we've Amen. Gotten, what we've gotten to is you've got people out there that are saying to themselves, "Orange man, bad," or "This is the guy that's going to save us." Finally, we have some sanity. And I, and I think what they've forgotten is that this has been tried numerous times throughout the Bible, right? People of God asked, give us a king. God said, it's a bad idea. They said, give us a king anyway. Okay, here's a king. It didn't work out. Then God said, here's why you shouldn't have a king. Here's why it's not about trying to draw rules, and it's not about whether you have a mask mandate or you don't have a mask mandate. It's about the condition of your heart and wanting to protect other people and keep them from getting sick and keep them healthy and do what you can to be respectful of their fears and their beliefs and comfort them and and be a kind, compassionate arm of Christ and not somebody who antagonizes his neighbor. This has all been entirely forgotten about, and it's entirely not talked about. It's not taught. And what you what what you see is at a time where you would think that all of humanity would come together and finally say to themselves, this is the one thing we can all agree on, that the virus is bad and that we want humans to live. You'd think that we would be able to agree on that thing. but And I can't remember who it was that said it towards the beginning of the program. They said, the name of Jesus Christ has, has become terrifying and hated by a large portion of society. And y- we've gotten to a point now where we we have lost the ability to even have the conversation with our neighbors about, hey, here's why I believe that we should do this, because at the end of the day, mask or no mask, virus or no mask, virus or no virus, quarantine or no quarantine, we are called to worship and love a creator who 
who will take care of us and will see us through. And by the way, who has seen far worse plagues come and go, right? Like yeah. Jesus can handle that. So that that's what I that's where I think we are. I think we have become I think there are two possible paths you can go in life. I think Paul lays out a path in which we are obsessed about Jesus Christ, understanding everything he did, every example he gave, and spending every moment trying to be like him. I, I, was, I came across a passage in, Second, in uh, I think it's 2 Timothy, in where Paul is saying, I, I'm going to send Timothy to you because Timothy is, unlike other people, he's not obsessed with himself, he's obsessed with Jesus Christ and the right. work that comes along with talking about Jesus Christ. And that's one direction that you can go in life. And I think the opposite of Jesus, the opposite of God, the opposite of accepting that call and letting your life be transformed, I think the opposite of that is indulging in ourselves, right? And thinking about what makes me happy. What's the next thing that I can prop myself up? How can I be a better this, that, or the other, a better dad, a better job person, a better whatever? How can I bring more attention to myself? How can I be better? And... What's, what you're watching unfold right now, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, because of the, the advent of social media, you're watching it unfold in real time, is people are struggling because they set out with this idea that they, they want to achieve something and they want to prove that they're worth something and that they can do something. And when the world slaps them in their face, they don't know how to deal with that kind of, reje- that kind of rejection. And they don't know... They don't know then where to identify themselves, where to set the, where to find their self worth, and as Christians, I think sometimes we take that for granted, and yeah. we don't think about it from the standpoint of somebody who doesn't who doesn't have the hope, who doesn't have a belief of eternal life, that they believe that they're here for eighty years, and it's not that these people haven't heard about Jesus, Tyler. It's not that these people don't know that he exists, or there's a, there's a Bible in every nightstand in America and every hotel. That's not right. the problem. The problem is people are religious in nature, but they've repudiated its power. Exactly what the Bible told us was going to happen. Nobody cares anymore about Jesus and and how his example should change the decisions we make. And so when you ask, you know, how did we get here and, and why are we at a point where we're fighting about things like social justice, the reality is everything that people want on the left, or at least claim to want, right? They want equal treatment, and they want people to be treated with compassion and stuff like that. This is something that Jesus was talking about 2,000 years before there was ever a law in the books, before the Constitution ever existed, before any state legislator ever got elected, before any president ever made an executive order. Jesus already told us that it wasn't a problem with the law. It was a problem with the condition of our heart. And until we fix that problem, we're never going to be able to fix the other problems. We're not going to because it's already been tried. It doesn't work that way. And Jesus came all the way down here and and went through a pretty excruciating experience to try to demonstrate to us that trying to draw a line in the stand and stay on the other side of the line, that's not the way to do it. We're supposed to focus on moving towards Jesus. Amen. Amen. And there's not a pill you can take to change your heart. There's not a therapist that you can talk to that can change your heart. It's God. God is the one who changes hearts, right? And you're exactly right, Noah. Jesus Jesus said it. All these good things, all these good things that we do, all this love, all, all everything that would benefit our neighbors, all of these things come from that heart, right? The good things come from a good heart. Evil things proceed from an evil heart, right? And so you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. We need to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit, period. And, and, and here's the thing, right? 
here's the thing, and I kind of want to hit every one at this, starting starting with Michael, right? We uh, th- th- this actually is interesting that it comes up because this is one of the things that 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 really separate us on the show. Um, one one of those things that you've heard me talk about before, you've heard Michael talk about before, uh, Josh. We we've talked uh, Davidson. We've talked about it before, right? But here's the thing. So I want to, without debate, without because we're here to unite. I want each person if if you would give like a two or three you know sentence um statement how does one change one's heart michael would would you start yeah i have no problem starting but as far as how one changes one one's heart i think you already know that i'm going to say that i believe that is the work of the holy spirit and absolutely yeah so the person never heard someone say hey it's it's not you making a decision. It's God acting on you. That can sound sort of cold, but I always go back to Abraham's words, right? Shall not the, the God of all the world do what is right? Shall not, and, and so I think that we can trust God uh, to change hearts. Uh, and certainly if a person never desires to have their heart changed, then obviously uh, that person... Um, is responsible for the fact that they have no interest in it. But right, right. It's like, that, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I believe that those that, that come to that decision of something needs to change, I, I believe when they have that feeling is that, that that is the Holy Spirit acting upon them, right? Right. And so, but I definitely, I think it, it takes the work of God. I believe with that corrupt, that, you know, it takes the work of God. But, uh, you know. As, on our end, we should be seeking to be holy, all of us, without excuse. Right. No, absolutely, brother. And and see, I guess more so to what I was what I was saying was what. Let me word that a little bit different. As Christians in in, in a world full of evil, right? How can we be a light in in, in that in, in that environment, right? And I would just say, for one, we, we share the gospel, right? Yes, my, what, what Michael said, I believe, is, is spot on, right, whenever it comes to theology. But what, but God does work, and, and, and we all agree with that. God works in us, through us, it, whatever, right? So the, I guess the point what I was trying to make was, what can we do as Christians to be a light in darkness? Like I said, I would share the gospel, love one another as as we have been loved, right? Forgiveness is big, huge things in this. But but I guess more so is I think we really need to be willing, and Noah and I talked about this on the last show that we did, we need to be more willing to, to put what I call lenses, other people's lenses on, the way we view the world, the way we see the world, Right. Not to say that, oh, I absolutely agree with you, you know, I believe what you believe. What I'm trying to say is we need to be willing to understand or be willing to be to be to talk to people to understand where they are coming from and understand why they believe what they believe, right? Amen. And with that, right. whenever you do that, right, you can actually sit down. I can I can talk to e, I can, Josh Davidson. I can talk to you, Josh Sherman. I can talk to you. Bible verses all day long, right? And we can debate all day long about about what they mean. We've seen it now for 2,000 years, right? People debate, debate the Bible, and, and it's never going to stop. 
But I think when it, what 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 is key is if I can show you why I believe that, and at the end of the day, you can say, I see why you believe that. I may disagree with you, but I understand. I think that is a win, right? I, I, Amen. I think it's important to note also that regardless of your views on soteriology, I think right. that Scripture gives us clear examples that even in a society where Everyone is not godly. Everyone is not in a personal relationship with God. Uh, that even in those scenarios, we still see people who, who, who see the impact that, that, that godly folks make. Right. That understand, wow, this moral system that you're bringing is good, or, or you've touched my heart in this point. Like maybe some of the rulers of Babylon or, 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 or the Medes, uh, whether or not these guys were ever uh, sanctified and saved, we don't know, but we can understand the impact that godly people that are following God can make on them. Right. So, uh, uh, you know, the gospel can change the society, even if 5% of those people actually believe the gospel, right? And so, it's an, and so as far as being a light, it's funny, I just had a conversation today with someone who said to me, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know what I believe, but I think I'm a very good person. And I had to go the, the right comfort road, you know. I had to say, hey, yep. would it offend you if I put that to the test, you know? Right, and right. So he it up and, you know, yeah, well, maybe I'm not perfect. And so then I explained to him, perfect God has to have a perfect standard. But uh, I won't get into all that. But the gospel can affect people even that, that don't accept it, you know? Right. Amen. And see, that's why I try, and, and Noah and all of us here at the Complete Sinners God tries to make each and every episode gospel-centered, right? Sometimes it's really, really hard. But but I think that in any situation that we find ourselves in, we can see Jesus in it. Why? Because he's there, period, in the subject. Jesus is in everything, right? And, and, and it's so cool because the creator of this universe loved us so much that he sent his only son to die on a cross for sinners. Well, guess what? We're all sinners. So it's it's... You you have to you have to see that, right? God does have to open hearts. God does have to do these things. Yet at the same time, simultaneously, we can be a light. Josh Davidson, how how are you what advice can you give to people who who would want to do that? Who say, "Hey, I, I like that idea. You know, I want to I want to help others. I want to do this." How would how do you do it first of all and and what would you recommend to people? Um, well, God, God's uniquely blessed me with the ability to, um, you know, uh, combine my, my ministry efforts with my career. I'm actually working at a homeless shelter and rehab facility, uh, in one of the poorest cities in my area. And so I'm around people who, you know, normally when people would drive by or walk by, they, they would see the face of evil instead of the face of need. And um, what people need to do is start looking at the world properly first um, and recognize that there is need everywhere and that they don't have to leave their area or go to Africa. Or, I mean, it's wonderful that people do that and God bless them, but that's right. You know, you can, you can bless people right where you are. Um, there's right. freeway overpasses where people sleep um, who need uh, things like socks and mm -hmm. a toothbrush and, some deodorant, maybe, you know, a razor. So they maybe, maybe they can go to a job interview, right. you know, like they haven't had a shower in a month. Maybe some dry shampoo might help out a little bit. And these items are at dollar stores. Um, really, you can do a whole lot with a, with a little. Um, every year, my wife and I get together about 200, 250 bucks 
personally. And then we ask the church members to donate whatever they want to donate. And we go to the dollar store and to Target and to a couple of places and get just everyday essential items, you know, things like scarves and beanies and gloves and stuff like that. And, you know, put them in a Ziploc bag um, and then, uh, uh, you know, have another Ziploc bag where you put a notebook, uh, a pen, paper, um, and, uh, and, a, and, a, and a Bible, maybe even just a New, T- a New Testament, uh, whatever it is. And you, you know, pray with somebody and you hand it off to them. I find homeless camps. You can do all kinds of things with very little. You just have to make the time. It's not going to find itself. You know, I was listening to a Vadi Bakum uh, sermon one time, and he said that normally whenever he goes out, him and his family go out to eat, he asked the waitress or the waiter, can I pray for you, right? And the first time I heard that, I thought, that is genius. That is great. Like, that doesn't take any work at all. All I got to do is open my mouth, right? And so I went in, and, and I, I, I went to the gas station. I was paying for gas, I think, the first time I did it. And let me tell you, bro, I asked that girl at the gas station, I said, ma'am, can I ask you a question? She said, yeah, sure. What's up? I said, I'm a Christian, and I like to pray for people. I'm getting ready to pray for my food. Um, I think we're going out to uh, lunch or something, me and my wife. I said, we're getting ready to go out to lunch, pray for our food. Is there anything that I can pray for you for, Um, whether specifically or generally, right? And I'm telling you, bro, that girl's eyes lit up, right? I forget the exact circumstances with the thing, but something something horrible happened in her life. And she just, you know, she you could see the tears coming. And she said yes. And, and she sat down with me. You know, this was a few years back. And she sat down with me and, you know, we just kind of chit-chatted a little bit. But everything, you know, it, what the point that I'm trying to make is, is that you can really impact somebody's life. Whenever you ask him a simple question, hey, can I pray for you? And here's the thing. I have never, out of the, the let's see, the couple of, I'm going to say two years now, the two years that I've been asking that question to people, just randomly, I don't do it every day, but just randomly, I have never had anybody, never had anybody come off mean or arrogant. I've had no's before, of course, but no one has ever, you know, tried to fight about it, right? It's just a simple no all right, have a good day, right? But I'm telling you, nine, nah, seven times out of ten, roughly, you will make somebody's day if you ask him that simple question, how can I pray for you? It, it, it's so simple. Joshua Sherman, what? same question, brother. What What do you do to be a light in darkness? Yeah, how long, I forget how long, how long have you said you've been a Christian for, bro? I've been a Christian most of my life, uh, so... Gave my life okay. Christ, I think it was about seven. I got baptized. In, nice. Uh, I think I was about uh, seventeen. Uh, okay. And then um, went and studied uh, Christian theology and philosophy. Uh, after uh, college, I graduated and didn't have a whole lot of an idea of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I ran into, you know, had had a bit of a time where I, w- I was down, man. I had uh, definitely, you know, was depressed and just kind of lost sight of sure. kind of the vision of, I, th- I think, you know, what I felt like God had uh, had planned and, and where He was taking me. Um, but yeah. you know, one of the things that brought me out of that actually was, was in, in worship and, and, um, particularly in, in, you know, going to a church with one of my friends where, you know, they really believed that, that worship is one of those things that we do essentially to prepare for battle. Um, right. you know, that, that God does mighty things when we praise him. Um, in fact, you know, I, I think about, um, and this is where the worship leader in me is kind of coming out. Um, so mm-hmm. I've, I've, I then became the worship leader of that church a little bit later after joining the team and, 
uh, and growing for a while, and um, and then we moved, and um, I've been a uh, worship leader for five and a half years here in Colorado, and actually just stepped back from that to have a little more time to do things like this. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. And to, to just uh, kind of d- decompress a little bit. Um, but one of the things I think is really interesting is we see things like in, in Scripture. I think sometimes we misunderstand things just because we miss the simple things, right? Um, mm-hmm. So you think, see, see people will debate over songs and, you know, oh, do you like this song? Do you like that song? Oh, this song is too much about individuals. Oh, this song is too much about whatever. And I look at a song like I Raise a Hallelujah, right? And it can seem like maybe it's a little bit too individual focused. But when you realize when you're saying hallelujah, you're actually using a form of the word praise God. It's an imperative to other people. It's imperative plural. And so you're saying, hey, mm. we all need to praise God, right? That's mm-hmm. an invocation to do that. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I, I've, I've done a fair amount in my life trying to be a light. Um, but I'm, I'm feeling like I'm entering a new season. Um, so mm. uh, what I'm actually looking at preparing for now, uh, hoping to launch in January, uh, doing a podcast that is focused on the gospel and just nice. exploring um, different um, different pieces of, of kind of the implications of the gospel for, for people, for creation, for our relationships. Um, so not losing sight of the core, uh, you know, Jesus Christ, him crucified, him resurrected, and what that means uh, for all of creation and for us. Um, but uh, also, you know, looking at those different bits and pieces that maybe we don't always recognize. Uh, so really looking forward to that. I think um, in, in discussing those things, what I'm hoping is that I can do it in a brief format um, that just brings things to people's attention and helps them to, to kind of see different pieces um, uh, of the implications of the gospel and how beautiful that is um, yeah. that they might be able to use as a bridge in talking with people, right? So if they can introduce somebody yeah. to a facet of that or an implication of the gospel that meets the person where they're at, they're going to be more kind of open to mm-hmm. trying to understand the gospel in its fullness, um, right. and, and that can, is what can really bring about change is, is the gospel of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Amen, brother. Well, we'll definitely be praying for you on that. And bro, don't forget us. We'd we'll love to collab <laughs> with you. So yeah, man. No, I agree though. I agree. We, and, and like Noah said, um, you know, we, th- this thing, this election cycle has really did one thing for everybody. And that's focus on me a lot more focus on I, right. And I'm guilty of it myself. Just over the last few days, I'm sure you guys have noticed all of my Facebook posts, you know, about about the election, what's going on. But the fact of the matter is this, is that all everything that we're talking about, really, notice how many times we've said the words Donald Trump. Now, let me ask you a question. Does everybody here support or uh, not like, not, you know, we'll, we, we all, you know, differ, I'm sure, on, you know, our view of the president. But. Did anyone not vote for him this this election? Just out of curiosity. I did not vote this election. Okay. Is that it? I did not vote for either major candidate. Nice. Okay. Anybody else? No. Okay. Well, I'm assuming that means everybody else did. So you two are gone. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, but but for real. So let me. So you didn't vote for either of the two candidates, uh, Josh, and Josh uh, Davidson. You didn't vote. Is that what you said? Correct. I did not okay. vote this election. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hey. Fair enough, man. Okay. So here's here's where I'm going to go with this. Then let Josh. Let me ask you, since you're right in the middle of California, um, you're you're from the Bay Area. Let me ask you this. 
what yeah. do you think I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase it if biden does win if biden does become our president can we expect because i think we've seen a kind of a shift whenever obama did um more more of this you know uh subjective truth well i'll just leave it at that do you think that we can expect more of that if biden does become president or or in other words will in your opinion will lawlessness increase um i mean in 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 a in a more general sense across the states themselves i think that uh we're kind of on an inevitable uh, an inevitable course right now anyway uh, because yeah. of what's been happening in the universities for the last three decades. Um, yes. I think that what happens in the universities follows closely in the society afterward because who's leading the society but the people who have graduated from the universities. And right. so I think ultimately that's, that's going to be something that, that uh, uh, is just as relevant for me as who's president on a, on a very you know, uh, short term basis is really what is the what is the the grand mindset that's going to be enforced by the thinkers of our day that represent how people want to be uh, uh, thought of? Oh, I, I, I identify with this sort of thinking or that sort of thinking. They're going to be referencing the thinkers of the day. Those are people that are going to be pumped out by our current universities that are already really deeply into a uh, uh, especially in the, uh, the uh, humanities, a, a very deeply left-leaning uh, uh, tendency. And so all of these things, these policies that are happening in the universities are being ingrained in these people who are going to go then out into our economy and our businesses and our uh, political force and everything else, and they're going to bring those things with them. And so I believe that Biden, no Biden, we're, we're, we're sliding. i like it (laughs) that was nice one of the the things that that i think is really interesting uh, this uh, studying christian theology and philosophy years ago when i was in university i never really kind of made the connection about how much they interacted through history Uh, but the last couple years and really kind of started to dive into it a bit more it's been amazing to me to see the number of times i see something where the predominant theological thinking would tend to kind of shape a little bit the way that, that philosophy was kind of going for a while. And then the predominant theolo- or philosophi- philosophical thinking would start to, to really influence the way that people thought about theology. You can see this, you know, with shifts from uh, valuing, you know, Plato's thinking over Aristotle's and then vice versa, uh, and, and a lot of things through history. But one of the things that really kind of, you know, sticks out to me for is when I think about today and, and what Joshua just said about the universities, it's totally true. Right. You know, if you think about the ways that our theology are being impacted today, the ways that we think about God, the ways that we we look at the Bible, uh, a lot of that is being driven um, either by people that that are, um, you know, skeptical of the Bible or by people that um, really have almost more of a kind of a worldview or, or philosophical framework that's that's kind of coloring what they see. Uh, and shaping the way that the, our theology is going. Uh, so I do think the church has a lot of work to do to, to try to um, really engage with um, the worldviews um, yep. and, uh, and contend for uh, the truth of Christ. Right. And I agree with that 100%. I think it's going to be more relevant than ever that Christians, and especially pastors and elders, and uh, uh, people of, of, of the younger generations need to step up and realize that there's a need to know what you believe 
and why you believe it so that you can give a reason because people are not going to respect tradition. People are going to respect somebody who can stage themselves uh, uh, with, a th- with speak like Jesus did with authority and not condescendingly, but 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 with with the, the, an appropriate level of humility and confidence. And that's a really difficult thing to do. And obviously, we're guided by the Spirit, and thank the Lord for that. But there's there's got to be some some level of preparedness, even within the lower. Uh, the, the non-intellectual level of the church, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not like we're all about doctrine. This has to be, you know, the rubber has to meet the road somewhere. Um, you know, like, like I said, packing a backpack and handing it off to a homeless guy and filling it with a bunch of things he might need for the week. Uh, that's simple enough. You pray with the guy, write his name down, pray for, pray for him for a week and go back to where you've seen him. See if he ain't there anymore, you know, pray with him again. That kind of thing can really impact people and other people see it. They, you, like Christianity can be very, very influential if the Christians around us started thinking properly about how it is their, their decisions can be really, really meaningful. What we do matters terribly, and we need to understand that. Yeah, amen. Ty, um, I didn't mean to skip you a while ago, brother. What are your thoughts on what Josh just said? Um, I think there's a lot there. Uh, as somebody who's finishing my bachelor's degree at a Christian university, it's it, it's it's concerning to me because we have these every week we have to do a different discussion board and we have to put something out there and respond to different students and all that. And the 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 amount of people who are claiming to be Christians but say, well, the Bible doesn't necessarily have to be 100% true or, you know, the full inspired word of God that changes with culture and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's a huge danger that, that I see. And yes, we, what we do definitely impacts and we have to, I mean, you, you know them by their fruits, by what we do, you will know who belongs to Christ. But at the same time, along with that, um, how do we know what, the works are. We have to go back to scripture. And I think there's a great, great divide between Christians nowadays on, you know, the focus that's on just loving people as Christ would love them, or we're going to just be very biblical in everything we say and do and proclaim. And I think they have to meet in the middle. And I think that's where a lot of Christians are losing it is they're so, they're too focused on either action or the word and i think it needs to be actions driven by the word and then our actions drive people to the word right i man that is it's great and let me ask you ty do you think because i've seen it i i really think a lot of people on on, especially on facebook but but a lot a few people i know they're they're Christian in, in in what they say, right? And they're and some of them are extremely con, extremely convincing, but whenever the actions that there is none, right? And, and and we are you know told to judge, not in the sense that the word judge is defined mm-hmm. by people today. That's that's not the judging that we're talking about. Judging is not condescending, right? That's not judgment. To judge something righteously means to line it up with the Word of God and see whether this thing is good, godly, and holy, or evil and satanic, 
right? That's what mm-hmm. judging righteously means. Judge with righteous judgment, right? Is this good? Will this please God? Or will it not? I mean, that, that, that's pretty simple. And so whenever we call people to repentance, we, whenever we call people to faith, even in Christ, repentance and faith, right? A lot, and, and this is a lot of people seem to think I can, you know, punch my ticket to heaven by, by, by saying a prayer or by doing these different things, and, and boom, I'm in. Ty, what do we, especially us five, you know, if it just starts with five people, what can people do or what have people been doing in order to remedy that? I think it goes back to, I think it was uh, kind of quoted before, I can't remember who it was, but First Peter 3.15, but in your hearts honor Christ, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So the first, the first thing we need to do is honor Christ as holy and Lord. So Christ is, yes, we can be called friends of Christ. He is friends of sinners. Yes, we can be called children of God, but Christ is first and foremost Lord and holy. And I think we as Christians need to understand that and view that first, that he's not just our buddy. He is our Lord. We submit to him. We are obedient to his word. He is holy, meaning that when we honor him and when we act as the light of the world that, that we're supposed to be is we're supposed to be shining the light that Christ is holy. And that means Christ cannot uh, tolerate sin. And there, I mean, th- this, this can open up so many different directions because the world doesn't know what sin is anymore. Things that are, that were never okay before are now okay and praise today. But then it moves on to the make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason and for the hope that lives inside of you. Where do we get that reason? How do we point people to that? It's, it's, it's scripture. It's, it's God's word. How do we know how to act? It all goes back, at least for me, it all goes back to sola scriptura. Right. Right. And, and that is, you know, it's not only our guide, it's not only, you know, 66 love letters written from God, right? This is practical as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we, we do get our theology, right? But I heard James White say, love him or hate him, but, but it's true nonetheless, if you're not willing to put in practice what you say you believe, you basically might as well stop believing it, right? Amen. Because Amen. if you if you're not, I mean, even I mean, it's so true though. Noah, I know you got to get ready to leave, buddy. Um, jump in real quick on what you know. What what are your thoughts on how how do we reach people? What do we can we do better as Christians? I think I think we can always do better as Christians, but how and what can we do? to, you know, like I said, reach people to be that light. I, th- I think really what it takes, Tyler, is it's, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, when you look at things like, when you look at things like welfare, a lot of people polarize on that because it's difficult to understand. On one hand, you're called to give to people that have need. On the other hand, it doesn't always seem to be real efficient and, 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 and that's the problem. And I think the misunderstanding there or the, or the disconnect is that to really dig into someone's life and fix their problem takes a tremendous amount of effort, a tremendous amount of time, and usually a tremendous amount of money. And a lot of us, I don't know if we're always, if our heart is really prepared to dig into people's situations like that. But I think in 2020, 
we've reached a point now where there's there is no point in talk. I shouldn't say there's no point. There's always a point in talking about Jesus, but that's not necessarily going to be the fastest way or the most uh, efficient thing that we can spend our time doing. I think today it requires us to use our brain and engage people in a different way and come at it really with the same kind of tenacity and fierceness that Paul came at this 2,000 years ago. There's a whole world of people dying and going to hell. A lot of those people are on social media. A lot of those people are on our platforms. A lot of those people listen to what we have to say. How can we use that platform to engage them? Well, I think it comes down to being creative and understanding that we have to be willing to meet people where they're at, and we have to put up with a certain amount of of uh, of, of of people laughing at you, I guess, for, for lack of a better way to say that, because that's what it's going to take to really get the word of God into today's modern culture. Right. Yeah. And, and, and Paul says it, you know, the apostle Paul says that if you desire to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. That involves mocking. That involves ridicule. That involves possible death, ladies and gentlemen. But this is how serious, this is how serious this gospel is. Serious enough for God the Father to send his only son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, be born of the Virgin Mary, live a perfect life, die on a cross for people who don't deserve it, and for every single person that would put their faith in him. Christ died for them, was buried, and rose from the grave three days later is not only proof, but God's certification. This is why Mohammed did not rise from the dead. This is why Buddha or Confucius or anybody else has not risen from the dead. It's Christ. Christ is God's Messiah. Period. End of subject. There's a lot of people in this world, even now, there's a lot of people claiming to be Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus said would happen. Now, here on the Complete Sinner's Guide, we're, eschatology is not our main point or focus right now, even though that's kind of changing. It needs to be a main focus, not the main focus. But, so, so I'm not trying to set this up for we're, we're getting ready to jump into the seven years of tribulation, no. But here is the truth. Jesus Christ will come back one day. And I, and I said this before. What side are you on? What side have you chosen? Are you, are you living worldly? Are you loving? Or are you doing what Noah and, and what everybody else has been saying tonight? Have we been focusing on I and not on God? And only you can answer this question. I would like every single listener to think of the Ten Commandments and answer yourself honestly, can I even think of them? Do I know each commandment? There's only ten of them. And I think right there will show you what your relationship with a God is like. If you just ask yourself, where am I to the Ten Commandments? Have you lied? Have you stolen? Have you committed adultery? Now remember, Jesus said, if you even look at a woman with lust, you're guilty of adultery. You ever murdered anybody? I had somebody tell me this the other day. Well, I haven't killed anybody. What did Jesus say about murder? He said, if you have ever hated your brother in your heart, you have committed murder. Hated. We've all hated people. I've hated people. And if I'm being completely honest... There's people I haven't forgiven yet. 
Why? God forgave me. I need to forgive those people. But here's the point. I'm a sinner too. Yet, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and everyone believing in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's a promise from a God who cannot lie, ladies and gentlemen. Think about how serious this is. Think about how serious this is. God sent his only son. Look at the cross. If you look if you see a crucifix, look at it. That's what the son of God did for you. That's what he did. <laughs> and here's the point about it all. This is I think it's the main thing. He's not on that cross and he's not in that tomb anymore. If anyone right now, I will challenge anyone Prove to me Christ is still in that tomb, and I'll stop being a Christian the day you do it. It's not going to happen. Why? Because right now, you can look and look and look, but he's at the Father's right hand, and he's waiting to come back to judge the world. You believe that message, you don't believe that message. At the end of the day, that that's the question that remains. And the question in my opinion, that will be asked of every single person is, what did you do with my son? What did you do? Did you trust him? Did you follow him? If you didn't, Jesus say, depart from me. I never knew you. And you'll go to a lake of fire, whether eternally, whether for a little bit of time, at the end of the day, you will go to hell and Never be in the presence of God again. Separated. Death. Whatever that means, it's up for debate amongst many, many people that are a lot smarter than I am. But the facts are the facts. No matter how long, hell will be hell. And you will not want to be there. Because all you can do is scream and God knows what else. Guys, real quick, the gospel, how, and I want to start with Ty, how has the gospel of Jesus personally affected you? Um, changed my life completely, and not just um, in the fact that I went a different direction, but I was dead and am now alive. That's the power of the gospel. And that's part of the good news is that all prior to new life in Christ are dead in sin, that we live according to our sin nature and that God changes our heart. He turns it from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh that we might live and, and have the ability by God's grace to please God because we can't please God prior to God changing our hearts. And so the, the gospel is the most essential thing in my life because it not only points me to Christ and his goodness, but it points me to my sin and my own wickedness. And without that, one of the beauties of the gospel is that when you take a good look at your own wickedness, and, and I, I don't think we can fully understand or comprehend our own wickedness. I don't right. think we can. 
because I think R.C. Sproul is the one who said that if we could, it would destroy us. It would just utterly destroy us if we knew that. Real quick, but, let me interrupt. Let me interrupt just real quick. Uh, let me. I'm, I'm curious if your experience is similar to mine. The more I get to Christ, the the closer I get, the more I see my sin. Is that true with you too? Oh, absolutely. I think you yeah. challenged somebody earlier to a debate on who's the chief of sinner. I think we can all try and take the affirmation of that and try and prove ourselves right. if we're really being honest with ourselves. But it, it when, when we actually take a look at our wickedness, at our at our sin, at our filthiness, it makes the cross all the more beautiful. It makes what Christ did for us, it makes God's love shine brighter in our life than anything else we could possibly look at. You know, for, the, for those who have the blessing of being raised by parents who love them and 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 reflect that 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 godly um parenting that's great but even the love of our mother and our father cannot even compare to the love of god that he has in us through christ jesus and that's what the gospel has done for me it has shown me what true love is and it has shown me that there is hope in this fallen and broken world and that is christ you know, I I love what you just said. You said, um, you know, you know what true love is now. And I had, a, you know, a similar thing. And, and 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 please don't take this the wrong way, right? Like my love for God is 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 completely different than my love for my daughter, right? Mm. But whenever my daughter was born, right, and whenever I was holding her in my arms and I was looking at her, right, I said to myself, I said, I never knew what true love is until I laid my eyes on you. Right. There is nothing. There is nothing that little girl can ever do to me to make me stop loving her. Nothing. Period. No subject. Like she can hate me. She can spit in my face. I don't care. She and she's seven years, seven months old. She's already done that. She's hit me and spit in my face and threw up on me. Right. Like it's crazy. Like she treats me like heck. And I just I give and give and give. But yeah. Anyway. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I, 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 I love I little girl. I don't have kids yet. Me and my wife are are currently um, trying to have a baby. But I think from looking at Scripture and looking at the examples that it shows, I think that's one of the blessings that God gives us is we get that little picture. And as much as you love your daughter, it still does not compare to how much God loves you. But he gives you that little picture of his love for you in giving you your daughter. Yep, that little type, that little shadow, that little hint of love. Amen, brother. Uh, Joshua Sherman, how has the gospel personally affected you? So one of the things that I, that that's really I think um, just energized me lately, um, and this is you know kind of changing the way that I, I, I think, the way that I live, the way that I, I converse with people, is recognizing that you know we we live in a world that's broken, and we all know this, right? This yeah. is, I think, one of the places that we can start with the gospel that's kind of like you don't have to prove it to anybody, right? Mm-hmm. right. <laughs> you look around, and it's like the world's messed up, and people are messed up. And, and we look inside ourselves, and you know, uh, unless we're completely delusional, we know we're messed up too. Um, and, and so then you have to kind of ask the question, well, like, is there hope, right? right. Um, and when you look at the, the biblical story, what you see is that God didn't design things this, this way. He didn't design things broken. And he's not going to leave them that way, right? Um, and in the midst of that, what you end up seeing with Genesis 3, when, when uh, Adam and Eve take the fruit and, and God says, okay, well, this is what life is going to be like for you now, 
right? Speaking to humanity at large as we're, you know, <laughs> as there are, they represent us here, um, is that, you know, you are going to die. You are going to have to work really hard to get anything to come out of the ground, which is representative of scarcity, you know? Uh, Eve, your, your desire will be for, for your husband and he will rule over you. So there's going to be broken relationships, especially between men and women. There's going to be um, conflict because of scarcity. And that brings on, you know, hierarchies of, of, of dominance and war and all of these other things. This is what life is going to be like because you have decided that uh, it was worth trying to pursue being like me without being obedient to me. Right. 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 They wanted to be like God and they didn't listen to what he, he told them to do. Um, and so when I look at that and, and, I, and I see that and I see the brokenness, I see what God describes as this is what life is going to be like for you. And then you look at the cross, you look at resurrection, you look at what Jesus said and he did. And it's all over the place that the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus is the bringing forth of the kingdom of God and the reversal of those curses, the reversal of what life is going to be like apart from God. Right. So we have yep. resurrection, the reversal of death. We have the plenty that we see that Jesus brings as he asks, you know, tells us to pray, asking for daily bread. We see the healing that he can bring in relationships, especially between men and women, between husband and wife. Right. Um, these are all different aspects uh, of uh, of the gospel, of the good news of what God has done that kind of build on top of that core of our sinfulness and our need for a savior and our need to be called back to him and what Jesus did on the cross. Um, so I see that kind of the, mm -hmm. the bad news and the good news. And I also see, you know, the sense that, you know, and we can unfortunately thank Gustav Allen for making this a competition, <laughs> <laughs> right? But, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about atonement amongst people that, that deal with theology and, and there tends to be this fight between people that think the you know, penal substitutionary atonement describes what happened on the cross and sure. Christus Victor, God, the victory of God is what happened on the cross. And I look at it and I'm like, um, I kind of see both in scripture a lot. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and so like, you know, part of the word gospel means the victory. It's, it's a proclamation of victory. It's the victory of God. Um, yeah. And so I see all of these kind of things. Um, kind of woven into that. And so yeah. I look at my own life and it's like, wow, like where, where am I seeing the victory of God? Where am I seeing the new life that God brings? And when, and as, as I do, that's energizing. Right? right. And I want that for other people. Right. Amen, dude. And you, and I think you nailed it. There is, there is a lot of both and right. It's not either or it is both. And, and I think, you know, a lot of these debates that we're having, Right. It seems like there's and, and Joshua Davidson, and I was talking about this the other night, seems like there's a lot of false dichotomies happening. It's either A or B. What about C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P? Right. Like, what about third options or, or anything like that? Is there a third option? And yet we seem to be so focused on and, and you can even say like this. We seem to be focused so much on Trump and Biden. We forget about Christ. Right. And, 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 you know, to try to, to, to bring this thing, you know, full circle, but, but I agree with you, bro. It, 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 there is a lot of both. And, you know, I personally hold to penal substitution and Christus Victor. I don't know if that's possible, but I see it. Right. So, so oh, yeah. th there is that, those elements, you know, within the atonement, I would love to talk to you about the atonement. I love to talk with all of you guys, you know, about the atonement, uh, Michael and I have, and I think Josh, uh, Davidson, me and you have too, um, maybe not on here, but you know, just in, in general, but yeah, 
Um, so, uh, just, uh, kind of to, to start wrapping up to kind of, you know, transition into that, um, Michael, I haven't got to you yet. Um, same question, brother. And, and you and I, bro, we, we have a lot of the same story. Like our stories line up pretty, you know, pretty parallel. Um, but just out of curiosity, my friend, how has the gospel affected you personally? Goodness gracious. Wow, I mean, <laughs> that's a big one, ain't it? That's tall order. I know I told you, before, right? Yeah, right. And I know I told you before. Like my family story is really unique because on one side my family was like really educated intellectuals, and on the other side was like drug addict, drug dealer, like criminals, and like my mom and dad just happened to meet at that perfect time, right? And they didn't spend a lot of time together, but they had me, and so I grew up pretty educated on stuff, but. No, I mean, just every bad thing that you could do, I tried. The, my language, everything was just foul. I was angry at the world. Uh, I mean, just the most terrible person you can imagine. Like, I, looking at me now, I wouldn't want to be friends with me. I don't even like, I would spread, like, right now, if I could know the old me, like, I would give the gospel, and, and I would be tempted yep. to, like, get away really quick because there was no getting through to me. And now, and, and not to say I'm perfect, and every one of us, we know, all of us, everyone here right now, we know what it means to be. We're not perfect. We still we still sin. But when I sin now, uh, I just have that feeling of like, man, you know what? Because I know to Jesus that, that, that suffered on that cross for me. And I've investigated the history of it. I know how ter- and I know how terrible crucifixion was. And I know that he had, that, that Roman flogging was bad enough, but that he had even an extra terrible Roman flogging because Pilate actually didn't want to execute him. So, to know what Jesus did for me and to know the mercy that God showed me that he never owed me, it, it, it's just, I mean, I don't know that words can describe it. I mean, when I say chief of sinner, obviously I know there's been serial killers and rapists, but I really feel that I'm just an awful, awful, I don't even want to say human being. I just want to say creature. And now it's like I look at my children and I think, I know what they're facing in the world and I've got to tell them, listen, you're going to hear things about you know, God is just unrealistic and it's unscientific, and here's why that's not true. And sometimes I think, am I landing on too thick? Because of, I, I, my, that's my overreaction is to say, listen, you, 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 you know, you, you're the, you are the image of a, of a, of a holy God, and right. and and now I'm compassionate now. Where whereas before I was selfish, now I, I feel compassion for people that are hungry and people that are oppressed or people that that are suffering, and and, and even my language, like I don't even want to use certain language because I'm afraid. Is this just is this juvenile uh, before a holy God? And and the way I look at the world, I'm always thinking, okay, what is this going to mean for the gospel? Uh, politically, is this is this political event going to affect the gospel? And is this social event going to affect the gospel? And and that's not to, to, to build myself up like suddenly I'm something great, but only that I realize how merciful a holy God was to me when he didn't have to be. And understanding how important he is and how crucial he is uh, in this world, uh, it, I mean, it's going to sound like a cliche, but the gospel just—it's tra- transformed me, yeah. and that's how I know it's real because I know how terrible, how awful I was, and I, and, I, and I'm still that guy uh, in a lot of ways. But what the Lord's done in my life has been something uh, really special, and so that's how I know when I hear the stories about what Christians were doing in Cambodia when the communists took over or what they're doing in China now, I know that no matter what happens politically, as sad as it would make me to think, man, Christianity is really going to become public enemy number one. I know that we serve the king 
And the king is more mighty than anything that happens in this particular country or in any country on this planet. And so that's what I keep my faith is in it, is in him. Uh, and, and as far as what the gospel has done for me, a complete transformation. I'm not the same person. Like, like, like I, I'm sure every Christian has that sense of I'm not the same person. But for me, it, I'm a totally different person. Like, I don't even recognize that guy. And I'm right. so grateful to God for what he's done for me. And, and maybe sometimes I'm a little too extreme in my uh, Christianity almost. Like, I'm so hardcore into this is, you know, this is disrespectful to God or, or a true Christian wouldn't do this or that. And sometimes I think maybe I need to reel it in, but I'm just so so thankful for the mercy that was shown to me. Like, it has transformed yeah. everything about me. Yeah. No, I, you know, I, I was sitting here thinking while you, while you were, were talking, and a lot of people, and I'm going somewhere with this, but a lot of people ask me, Tyler, how can I know I'm saved? And I think a good answer, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a good answer would be, have you been regenerated? Right? And, and if you get the, huh, during the headlight look, you know the answer. Because like Ty has just said, like Michael has just said, like Joshua uh, has just said, and I'm sure Joshua Davidson will say it as well, and I know I will, I've been transformed. I know exactly, exactly what Michael's talking about. I know exactly what Ty's talking about because I've experienced the same thing. I was dead. Now I'm alive. And what does that look like? It looks like someone who I didn't even know back then. Because, Michael, like you, brother, if I could meet me back in the day, I wouldn't be friends with me. And, I, I mean, I tell people all the time that, you know, they, they'll, they'll make a compliment or something. Like, Tyler, you're chill. You're so cool, blah, blah, blah. Say, so you wouldn't have liked me seven years ago. Actually, matter of fact, you, you probably would have hated me seven years ago. Um, I tell my wife that, you know, because she, she didn't know me before I moved to Pensacola, Florida, right? For, for everybody that knows my testimony, lived in Indiana until I was 18. As soon as I turned 18, got down to Florida with my dad and then almost died a few times. Um, if you haven't listened to my testimony, I do have it on uh, www.completecenters.com, uh, the, the website for our podcast. Uh, check it out. But, but I went from that and then back up here now in Indiana, I, I, be, sometime between moving back up here I was changed. And, 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 and it's like, how do you know that? It's like, <laughs> it, it is cliche, but I just know, right? I just know. And no one, no one can take that away from you, right? So, so no, I, 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 I think you, I, I think you nailed it, Mike. You know, we, we, those who have been changed by God, those who have had that heart of stone taken out and a heart of flesh, one of the things that happens whenever we sin, you know, you said that you are the chief of sinners. Again, I'll debate you on that any day. <laughs> uh, but, but, but again, I love you, man. But, but I know the point I'm trying to make, brother, is that I know exactly what you mean, right? Because whenever, you know, whenever, whenever the microphone is off, whenever I'm here in, you know, in my room, you know, my wife and, and just sitting here thinking, you know, with my daughter, it's like in just reflecting on my soul, examining my heart, like the Apostle Paul tells me. It's vile, man. It, it, it is. It was. But again, you know, my I, heart has I been taken out. Yeah. 
I think that's just a great thing about the gospel, right? Is that's yeah. what Christ does. It's like, you know, the 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 people that were formerly uh, addicted to drugs, you know, if, if they hang around the body of Christ, they're going to find somebody that was yeah. addicted to drugs, right? Yeah. And the person that was addicted to pornography is going to find somebody. Like it's like we're all. This is what the body of Christ is. It's a it's a group of fallen people. This is the one group that you join yep. where nobody's going to be like, oh, so you're a bad person? No, we're, we were all terrible people. Yeah, yeah. Nobody can say, I'm not good enough to be a Christian. Yeah, neither am I. <laughs> you know, that's why God had to change me. That's why God had to save me. Because God said, Jesus said, there is none good but God alone. Join the club. It, this, again, I, I feel like the Apostle Paul. Like, I am pleading with every single person listening now on behalf of Christ, right? Believe the gospel. Trust the gospel. Do you not hear? Te- the Bible says we're, we're you know, gathered to on the testimony of two or three witnesses. I got five that is telling you we have been changed. Six, including me, we have been changed by God. Trust Him. Believe Him. Do you not know how to do that? Cry out to Him. Say, God, I don't know how to trust you. Are you not trusting Him in that moment? God's probably already changed your heart at that time. But I'm just saying, if you had that desire. I, I want to know God. I need God. Cry out to him. And let me be the first to say, it's not a prayer. It's not what you do. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. Right? And whenever we stop to take the focus off of ourselves, which is to, to kind of bring this thing full circle, and I want to end this with Joshua Davidson on, on, on how that gospel affected you, brother. But as we bring this thing full circle, I, I would love for people to reflect and to just ask yourself in these last few minutes that, we've, that we're going to be on here, am I trusting Jesus? Am I saved? Have I been born again? Because Christ said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God, John 3. So with that being said, why people are thinking, Josh, same question, brother. How has the gospel real, affected you? Yeah. Real fast. Can I just jump in there real fast? Yeah, please. Please just, do. Just to, to echo, I agree, echo what you're saying completely. Sure. But for anybody who's listening that might yeah. think, you know, if you don't know anything about what we're talking about, but you're interested, all this, there there's a difference that I think has to be made between regeneration and sanctification. So when you get saved, you are regenerated. You are made new. You are a new creature. But don't think that you and your perfect Christian life, and I say that with quotes, are going to change overnight. Sanctification is a process. Christ in everybody, nobody gets there in this life. But, But God works in your heart as you walk your Christian walk, and things will progress differently than somebody else. So... Just to encourage people, you're not going to just be perfect overnight. It is a process that God works in your life as you walk through it. So don't be discouraged. Amen. Amen. I wish I would have said that. Amen. Yeah, because I don't know how many people that have talked to me and said, you know, I I had this, this experience with Christ, and then, you know, two days later I did this or that. No, amen. That is true. Yeah, we're going to. We're not going to be perfected, and, and we are going to fail, and, and, and we can't give up. We're being sanctified, so amen to that. Yeah, let me, I guess let me just be the first then to, I still struggle with pills, guys. 
I I still struggle with drugs. I still struggle with marijuana. Now, we're going to be talking about whether marijuana is a sin or not here coming up. I've seen a lot of people want to see that. Um, so so it is going to be, be a topic of discussion, right? But I still struggle with these things. And I think, as Christians, we should be more willing to admit, hey, I'm not perfect. Hey, I do screw up. Hey, you want to know how I screw up? Here, you want to know what that's going to do? I guarantee you, if you say, hey, I'm struggling with pornography too. As of right now, I'm not personally, and thank God for it, but I did. But that's what we're talking about. Even though I still struggle in the drug area, I can look back and say I used to look at pornography. Even though I still struggle with drugs, I used to look at pornography. Right? And my, that, that right there... You know, just, just kind of reflect. I think that's why the Apostle Paul wanted us to reflect on our heart, wanted us to examine our heart, I think is the words he uses, right? Because not only does it humble us, but if we would examine our heart and see God there, see the Holy Spirit there, it also gives us hope. Because Christ says, I died for that sin. And the only sin that's unforgivable, according to the Bible, is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Can I just offer people more encouragement? And, and I heard this from S. Lewis Johnson. I don't know if any of you guys know him or not. Great pastor at Believer's Chapel in Texas. But he said this. He said, if you are worried and you are scared and you're crying out to God, you're praying to God about committing the unforgivable sin, I hope I haven't done it. He said, chances are you haven't. And matter of fact, chances are that that's a sign that your, holy, that, that your heart has been regenerated by God. If you desire God, uh, Ty, you brought up R.C. Sproul a while ago, right? You do, do you know off the top of your head um, how he tells people, how, how do I know that I'm saved? Do you, do you know yes, that I do. Okay, can you, can, you, can you say that real quick, those three, those three little steps? Yeah, so R.C. Sproul would ask um, a person three questions. He would say, um, do you love God perfectly? And, of course, the answer is no, because we can't love God perfectly. And then he would move on to, well, do you love God the way you ought to love God? Well, the answer to that is we ought to love God perfectly. So, of course, we don't love God how we ought to love him. And then R.C. will ask the last one that says, do you love God at all? Do you love Christ at all? Because only a heart that has, only a, a being that has been regenerated by the Holy Spirit can say, I love Christ. Amen. Amen. And if you can honestly say, yeah, I love Christ, then you know that did not get there any other way than the Holy Spirit. Josh Davidson, sorry to keep you waiting, brother. How has the gospel personally affected you? Um, I've been sitting here listening to you guys and trying to think about how in the world to formulate words for that. Um, the gospel is affecting me constantly uh, and powerfully. I would say, honestly, that the, the, the gospel's effect on me probably started when, when I started going to church at about two weeks old. Um, because God helped to shape my, uh, my tendency to be uh, around people who were rather shifty and myself be the only one 
who had a steady countenance that people seemed to be able to rely upon. And uh, I happened to be the honor in the den of thieves, even though I was, you know, not saved yet as a young man, I was, I was still always, I always seemed to be the moral compass around, you know, uh, moral idiots. And so uh, in in my life, I've, I've always had that kind of air of loftiness and, and prudery, you know what I mean? Uh, and so it took me for a long time, kind of like Ty said, it took me until I was about mid, you know, early 20s, actually, uh, 22, 23, something like that, um, to, to start actually really submitting to God and not just uh, providing him a uh, very elaborate lift service. Um, because I'm good at talking, I'm good at relating to people, I'm good at uh, churchianity, because I'll show up, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, I try to be responsible, and all these other things. Um, you know, being a virtuous person, um, it, it's easy to get caught up on what you do and who you are. And so it is, it is very humbling to recognize, uh, let's call them the shadowy parts of yourself. Um, and, 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 and like you guys said, it, it gives you an acute awareness of who you really are and not just who you are in relation to other people, because that couldn't be more irrelevant to what we're talking about. It's right. who you are in relation to the God that made you. Amen. Um, and, and that's, that's what's really impacted me is to recognize my relation to the creator. I'm not just a creature anymore. I am something different now. And that, that's, that's what I think the gospel has, has done to me and for me and is continuing to uh, affect me uh, daily and hourly, um, even, even in my workplace and in my, uh, 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 my, my, my day to day, I, I work, like I said, I work at a, uh, at a rehabilitation center and I, you know, I, I, am around people that are currently addicted and have been living on the streets. Some of them 12, 15, 20 years, um, their life is a, a mess. And I, I, I get to be, the, the person that tells them that life doesn't have to be like that, that you don't have to be like that and, and usher them into something beautiful too. And to forwardly be able to, God is, like I said, God's uniquely blessed me to be able to uh, amalgamate my ministry and my career uh, because it's a Christian based program uh, in the rehabilitation center. And so they're, you know, in depth program, they're there for a year. These guys are at the mission in the shelter for a year with me every day. And I get to be like this with them every day and be excited and be absolutely enamored when they start to get uh, uh, some some form of progress. And 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 you'd be surprised what what a steady countenance can do for somebody who's had a hard time in life. Um, they, they don't know what to look at. They, they, there's no steady stone. And then they see something like somebody like you know, myself or, or a couple other people that I could, that I can think of at, at the mission that really believe this, what we're talking about right now. It's right. not, it's not an intellectual endeavor. We really believe this. This is, this is not just what we think or what we believe. This is, this is now who we are. And, and that may, that becomes relevant to the people that are around us. And when they begin to see that and when they can acknowledge it, it begins to make them very uncomfortable because the gospel is not just words. It's, it, it's, it's also the, like you, like we've all been saying the transformative power of, of its impact on the people that, 
that hear it and respond appropriately to it with allegiance and trust toward the Christ who decided of his own accord to leave his heaven and come to our earth and, 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 and endure what it's unspeakable what's happened. And so I, I can't really, like I said, I've been sitting here thinking about this, trying to put this in words, but, and I really, yeah. I'm not sure what to say other than I'm new now. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm new. It's, and it's that simple, you know, it, it, it's that complex. Like you just described there, there it, it's literally unspeakable to be honest, but it's that simple. We have been made new and what a joy, what a blessing it is. And I just, if, if, I, if I could say, yeah, if I could say just before we leave, I don't know how much time we have left. Uh, I would re- I would say to anyone listening, if you were to look up my name, Michael Chandler Keats, on Facebook, if you were to look up Joshua Davidson's name on Facebook, you you're, you may see some, some, some difference in opinion on this or that issue, but what every one of us on this, on this podcast agrees on is that we are undeserving sinners saved by grace from a merciful God and from the merciful action of Christ Jesus on that cross at Calvary. And, 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 and that's what saves us. And so I would say, before we get off here, this show is, is the Complete Sinner's Guide, and your hosts are Noah Chalai and, and Tyler Fowler. And, and just so you know what kind of guy Tyler, Tyler Fowler is, he and I have a, a, a very similar history. And I've called Tyler, and I've said, you know what, maybe I'm not saved. I don't know if I love God or not, because as much as I love God, uh, Tyler knows that, that I have a family member who is prescribed a prescription pain pill and 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 when you're addicted to, to, to those things it's not just like mentally i can't control this like there's actual physical withdrawal to the point where yeah. you can't take it and you just your body's hurting so bad and so i would call tyler and say you know i went to this family member and i begged him out of a couple of pills and maybe i'm not saved and tyler would say to me are you saved by your your obedience and your action and your goodness or are you saved by faith in christ and and just would renew me and just give me that that that, that confidence but also the conviction to say, Lord, I failed you again, but I know that your promises are true. And so I would say to anyone listening, you know, Tyler Fowler is my brother and he's the real deal. And so, so when you hear, you know, you don't have to be, you're, you, it's not that you don't have to be, you want to be perfect, but you're not going to be, but, but Tyler Fowler is the real deal. My brother, and I love him. And to anyone listening, he's, he's the man. Well, I really appreciate that brother, but I'll tell you the same as everybody else, man. I wasn't always, and it's only because of God I am who I am today, honestly, because I didn't want God. I didn't want anything to do with God. I hated God, but God changed me. God changed me. You know what I mean? If it was left up to me, I would have been dead, right? But God stepped in. He intervened in my life, and I thank him for it daily. I thank God that he grabbed me and jerked me back to him. The prodigal son returns, right? Thank God for it. Because if left to my own accord, like I said, I know where I was going. I can speak for myself because I was the one living it. I would have been dead if not for God. And I was dead, but he made me alive. And that's the same testimony I think each and every one of us have. And again, so if you're listening, you know, as we're wrapping up, if you want that, if there's anything holding you back, 
I'm not good enough. I'm insert whatever you are here. Stop. Stop believing the lie. And start trusting God. Because here's what. What do I mean, real quick? What do I mean by whenever I say, believe in God? Repent. That's the gospel call. Repent and believe. Right? Change the way you think about Jesus and trust him. What does that mean? What do I mean by believe in Jesus? I don't mean acknowledge his existence. I think we, uh, I think first of all, a lot of people have a misunderstanding of what believe in Jesus means. And it simply means to trust him, not acknowledge his existence, not I know Jesus, you know, the, uh, the, the one who's Lucifer's brother, that, that Jesus, the one who actually wasn't crucified, you know, that one, there's so many, you know, Fall, you know, and I'm not saying that you know if you've got a history, you know, thing about Jesus wrong, like you're believing in the wrong Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this: there's a big difference between acknowledging someone's existence and getting a detail wrong and trusting him. There's a big difference between those two. And I think whenever we say, uh, "Do you believe in the Easter Bunny?" we think it's the same thing as "Do you believe in Jesus?" And it's completely not, or or vice versa. Right? Atheists here, whenever we say, I believe in Jesus, they think it's the same as, I believe in Santa Claus. And those are two totally different statements. One, I acknowledge the existence of Santa Claus. I don't, but that's what that means. And the other is, I trust God, like Abraham did, like Paul did, like Jesus himself did. Trusted God the Father. Right? So here's the point we're all sinners. This is the complete sinner's guide, and it starts, it starts with Jesus Christ, period. Jesus Christ, Paul said to the Corinthians, I determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. Why? Why did Paul determine to know nothing among them except Christ and him crucified? Because that is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes that's the power of god some it's a foolish message the other it's the others it's the power of god unto salvation and thank god for it seriously guys in the last couple minutes do you anything else anyone wants to say um let's just let's go around the table one more time and if there's anything else um you know a couple minutes uh, go for it. Uh, let's start with uh, uh, Josh Davidson. Go ahead, buddy. Um, I just wanted to kind of, you know, piggyback off of something you said a minute ago about um, the the core thing to understand is our connection to God is something that that we we don't we we did our our, our actions and our resource didn't build our tether to God, and it doesn't keep our tether to God. God keeps our tether to God. And our our responsibility is to is to respond to God's uh, God's active work with a trusting allegiance toward God because of what he has done, what he is doing and what he will do because a faithful God remains faithful. You said earlier that he cannot lie. 
if you cannot trust someone who cannot lie, it is because you feel like you cannot trust someone. It is not because that person is untrustworthy. God is worthy of our trust. We Amen. owe him our trust. And so we should not only, not only, like you said, acknowledge that he exists. Yes. And amen. But so do the demons. Yep. But the demons don't, the demons do not actively put their trusting allegiance in him. Don't be like Satan. Amen. Ty closing remarks. Yeah. I just wanted to, uh, I would just like to encourage people who um, are Christians and, you know, might need that encouragement. We talked a little bit about the election tonight and the state of the world. And I think that calls for some anxiety and those who might be not quite there yet. But I just wanted to read this from uh, Romans 8 it says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And I just want Amen. that to be an encouragement right there. Amen. And then finally, he ends with, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Nothing can separate us. Amen. And what a hope. What a mm -hmm. hope we have, man. Joshua Sherman, closing remarks. Oh, man. Um, you know, I'm thinking about, about Christianity and politics. And thinking about the moments when religious leaders came to Jesus trying to trap him, trying to, trying to, to show that he was, um, you know, perhaps disloyal, uh, inciting against Rome, uh, as they kind of expected their Messiah to be. Um, and uh, they, they ask him, you know, what should, you know, what should we be doing? Should we be paying taxes to Caesar, right? Um, and um, so they ask, should we be paying taxes? And Jesus says, you know, bring me a coin. And he shows them that coin and he says, you know, whose image is on that coin, right? It's Caesar's. Surrender unto Caesar's. What is Caesar's? The flip side of that that we forget about sometimes is he says, render unto God's what is God's, right? Who bears God's image? We do. Right? Everyone. Yep. Render unto God what is God's. He created you in his image. Render yourself unto God. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I just think about that in terms of uh, what you were talking about with faith. And what we talk about with politics that, you know, um, wherever we land in the political spectrum, our ultimate allegiance is to God. Uh, our ultimate um, citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven. Um, and we are called to be imagers of God. We are called to be people that bear his name. We are called to be ambassadors for him in this world amongst kingdoms that are of this world that don't understand a kingdom that's not of this world. They don't understand that, that, you know, God can break into a broken world and bring um, restoration and bring love and bring light. And he does that through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, so just, you know, kind of encouraging us as, as we look at, at politics, man, um, it's important. But you know, the most important politics is recognizing that Caesar is not Lord. Jesus is. Amen. All, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth and thank god for it because at the end of the day you're right brother no matter who's president no matter who 
thinks that they're king in another country, the queen, it doesn't matter. All of that is temporary. All of this. The, the, the microphone that I'm speaking into right now is temporary. Right? My phone that I bought is temporary. All of this is temporary. Yet, God is eternal and he's making all things new. Michael, closing remarks, brother. Yeah, I would just say that, I mean, it's been a pleasure to be on here with you, you brothers. And, you know, I don't know all the guys. I know you. And I know enough of Joshua Davidson to know how sincere he is and his love of the Lord. And I think that the message that has been, that, that that's really been put out here uh, tonight has been, has been pretty good. And that is that none of us are claiming to be perfect. None of us are claiming to have all the answers. None of us are claiming that we're not living in scary times. Uh, we're just telling you what we trust in, and we trust in that rock uh, that has that, that has never let us down, and that is Christ Jesus. And He's not impossible to to obtain. You don't have to be perfect. Uh, I think Tyler's done a good job with this, but we've all, you know, several of us have really explained how unworthy we are. Uh, you don't have to be perfect to attain that. Uh, uh, we're fallible. Uh, we're, we've failed in so many ways. But all, all Christ promises is if we look for him and if we search for him, he's there ready and willing to be a perfect Savior. And we can put our trust and our faith in him. And if that's not an inspiring message, then I don't know what could be. Amen, dude. Amen. And you're right. He's there. And with that, we are out of here. Thank you guys for joining me. A special thanks to everyone on the roundtable and Noah Schley, my co-host. Thank you guys. Join us next week. We'll be back. See ya.